0: 2, 3, go! Okay. Welcome to Sports Med Res' This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. Over the past week, we've had two posts on sportsmedres.org. That's R-E-S dot O-R-G. In the first post, we described the study where the authors reported that professional dancers experience high rates of injury and illness, particularly upper respiratory tract infections. These injuries and medical conditions may be attributed to the high training loads reported in this population. In our second post, we reported on a study where the authors noted that high school players experienced a 40% reduction in injuries due to being checked after implementing ice hockey rule changes that increased the penalties for dangerous checking and boarding. If we take a closer look at that first post, we find that the authors examined injuries, illnesses, and training loads in professional contemporary dancers over one year. The participants included 16 contemporary dancers, including 7 men and 9 women, from the same dance company in Australia. An injury was defined as one that required medical attention or created an inability to dance for at least one day. The authors collected an array of injury information, such as the type of injury, whether it's new or re-injury, mechanism of re-injury, the location, injury occurrence, type of onset, report of cause, contact or non-contact, and detailed injury assessment and exposure status. They also categorized injuries by severity, which depended on the number of days absent from training. So, for example, minor injuries required somebody to miss 1 to 7 days, while moderate injuries involved somebody who missed 8 to 28 days, and a severe injury was someone who missed more than 28 days. The authors defined an illness based on the Wisconsin Upper Respiratory Tract Infection Survey, which assesses symptoms and impairments. Finally, The authors classified a person's training load by session types such as rehearsal or performance and based on the rate of perceived exertion during a session of training. Overall, the 16 dancers experienced 79 injuries, and most of these injuries resulted in minimal time loss. Everyone had at least two injuries that required medical attention. Most of the injuries occurred at the knee, upper leg, or torso. The most common types of injuries were ligament or joint injury or muscle tendon injuries. Most injuries that resulted in time loss were to the ankle, upper leg, or torso. The dancers also reported 134 illnesses, typically upper respiratory tract illnesses. The dancers experienced about 4.6 injuries per 1,000 hours of training and 9.1 illnesses 1,000 hours of training. There is no consistent evidence that connects training load and injury. However, training load may be a risk factor for illness in professional dancers. This study is interesting because professional dancers experience high training loads compared to other typical sports, and as a result, there are incredibly high injury and illness rates. On average, the training load among professional dancers is more than double that of an elite soccer team's training load, and 57% greater than Australian football teams. This study highlights several crucial factors in contemporary dance. First, these findings demonstrate that professional dancers get injured and sick at high rates. These injury rates suggest that dancers may require more point-of-care medical needs, such as better injury surveillance And modification of training load. Furthermore, clinicians should advocate for preventative measures and education to prevent injury and illness in dancers. Preventative care may include modifying training, implementing more rest and recovery days, and nutritional guidance. Furthermore, an injury prevention program for elite dancers can reduce the rate of injuries by up to 85%. Hence, Dance companies and clinicians need to work together to implement injury prevention and protect dancers. Contemporary dance is physically demanding activity and can often lead to injury or illness. These high rates are cause for concern and need to be addressed to protect dancers' long-term health. However, we need to consider these rates are only from a single company of dancers. More research may clarify that if these new findings apply to other dance companies. In the meantime, clinicians need to be proactive and check with local dance companies. It is crucial to examine these programs and ensure that these dancers are receiving adequate rest and treatment in case of injury and illness. Don't forget that we also share extra material on social media. This week's most popular post was a peer-reviewed article where the authors reported, The COVID-19 pandemic has affected athletic trainers' jobs, and in many cases, athletic trainers have demonstrated adaptability and value by assuming various roles in the larger healthcare system. And if you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our six online evidence-based practice courses available through the Human Kinetics website. We will have links to our summaries, the courses, and the article on our website, and in our show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We will be back next week with more sports medicine research. Until then, have a fun one. Stay well and enjoy your Thanksgiving.